Check my inbox and what do I see? Just another day, another T-R-A-D-E I'm an addict And I need it in my veins, I'm an addict Otherwise I feel plain now Every day I wake up, people got a problem Making all these trades up, got me saying got em But I've been paid up, I even started from the bottom See I don't wait up, I ain't even playing possum So what it cost them, just a couple of firsts Can't believe that it worked, not to say I'm a jerk But I'm an addict, it's what I said in the first You can curse who you want, you can pray in your church But I'ma keep tapping return, I win up I learn I ain't trying to burn And I'm not really ashamed, I'm an addict I'm a climber with the brain, I'm an addict And the pot is what I'm playing, I'm an addict Russ and Rocky Other names Trade Addicts Pie Let's go I am Rocky Petrella and I have a trading problem I'm Andrew Hall and I have a trading problem I'm Matt Dolly, and I have a marvelous mustache that's better than my fantasy analysis. <laughs> <laughs> he, he definitely does have that. Um, so, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 299 of the Trade Addicts Podcast. Proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. Andrew, don't let me hang in. The oh, sorry. Network. That, you that, that. Yeah, I got you. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, it's it's that time of year, people. It's uh, it's 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 we're in the non-point scoring season. We're in the dead season. It seems like this is uh, the first trade addicts podcast in a while. You will hear that we have zero trades. Do better, trade addicts. Um, but we may not have trades, but we do have Andrew Hall here um, with Russ off again this week. Russ just. He's, you know, he saw no trades. He's like, I'm not doing the show tonight. Yeah, so. he's like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> but Andrew, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I know it's been a little bit since we podcasted together. Junkies are kind of on a little hiatus right now, which is kind of a nice, a, a well-earned break, I would say. Uh, but I always love talking trades. Even if we don't have them, we can definitely get into some fun tonight. And of course, Matt, one of my favorites. So should be a pretty easy time to have a, a fun conversation this week. Yes, Matt Donnelly is here with us. Uh, Matt, why don't you uh, let everybody know who you are, what you do, and where they can find what you do? Yeah, well, Matt Donnelly, obviously, uh, the Twitter handle is pretty much the same. Throw a couple Fs at the end of that. But you can find me over doing some work there with Roto Baller. They're on the YouTube channel. We do our starts and sits every single week. I'm still rolling that out there because there's playoff contests out there, people. Playoff contests, including the run we're running over at the Vipers Network. For Amel Cadillac. If you did not get in on that, don't worry. You can still support Amel right now because he is going through pancreatic cancer. There. He's going through chemotherapy. He is a Fantasy Sports Writer Association Hall of Famer. One of the trailblazers in our whole community that we got going on there. So you can go on to my pin tweet there. There is a GoFundMe there. Bob Harris has the GoFundMe there as well for Amel. So just because you didn't get in, if you are still looking to support him, you can do that. Also, you can catch me over at Fantasy Points in, over in the Discord channel because that is where I will be answering plenty of trade questions throughout the offseason. And, well, right now, I mean, I guess we're in the offseason. Are we really in the offseason? I don't know if we're in the offseason right now because there is no offseason when we're talking dynasty football here, right? Man, to that. That's, that's yeah. why we, we don't call it the offseason, Matt. We call it the non-point scoring season. The non-point scoring season. Yes. That's the, <laughs> Dynasty out, yes. Outhouse. Coined by Ooh, Dynasty right. Outhouse. Uh, so uh, we may not have trades, but uh, Andrew was mentioning before the show, what we do have in Trade Addicts this week and, and coming up in some other leagues as well in Trade Addicts 
uh, our dispersal drafts, um, which we talked a little bit about that a few weeks ago after uh, the point scoring season ended. But uh, Andrew, I, I figured since we don't have any trades to talk about, maybe we could get get a little bit into your draft and, and how that went and, and and what you guys kind of did there and how it worked out. Sure thing. Yeah. So we had uh, we had one team leave in Trade Addicts One, which is the league that I'm in with the two of you, of course. And uh, so we got Joel Worth, I think, as his name came in. And uh, as with usual with a second chance dispersal, you know, any owner can decide they want to do it. Russ sends out a form and you can say, yes, I want in. And it's very randomized or very anonymized. I guess not randomized. But so I was like, you know what? I think there's a couple of really bad teams. My team was terrible. I was like, I miss drafting. I don't like my team to the point where I don't even like making trades. I got to do something like I got to make some moves. I got to try to do something here. So I was like, screw it. Let's go all in. Let's do the dispersal. And there were three of us. Uh, it, I got lucky enough to get the first of the picks, but there really weren't a whole lot of great assets in the dispersal, as you might imagine, with an orphan team and two of us that were kind of you know throwing our team away. Uh, so I got the first pick, and I got Lamar Jackson, which I think was the cream of the crop. Uh, after that was Kyler Murray, Tua Tagovailoa. So, again, solid QBs all around. But Tua was mine last year. I didn't hate it, but it was just felt risky. And I was just like all season I was kind of, you know, riding by the seat of my pants and, you know, made some trades that didn't pan out, but that happens in every trade, right? But, again, with, with a dispersal, especially with a three-team dispersal and the assets getting spread around, it felt like there were some really odd values. And I thought maybe I could run some of these by you to see if maybe yeah. I was way off or something, you know? Before you go a little further, I'm just curious after those first three picks, do you, would you, because uh, you had the easy choice with Lamar, would you have taken Kyler over to it? I probably would have taken two of myself. Yeah, that that was that was a I wouldn't say a weird one, but that was one that I disagreed with. But the, that's what the dispersal is all about, right? Is like kind of making your hay and kind of picking the players of what's left and choosing the values. I probably would have picked two of though. Yeah. What What about you, Matt? Which one do you have uh, ranked higher in Dynasty? Well, the secret to fantasy football is to draft the players that are going to score the most points. Wait, let me write this Obviously, down. Obviously, Andrew struggles with this purpose here right now. <laughs> but for me, you know what? I, I still like Kyler Murray here over Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Tua. I love Tua coming out of the draft. I had him right up there with everyone else, with all the top quarterbacks of the draft class. And I still see him as being that guy. I still see him with Joe Burrow. I still see him with Justin Herbert. I mean, you can make arguments for them because of that offense they run in Miami. A healthy Tua Tagovailoa playing at the top of his game is an MVP caliber quarterback. However, you're always running that risk of that injury with Tagovailoa. You're running that little bit of a risk there with Kyler Murray, but at least you have the upside like Lamar Jackson and his rushing ability. We're talking about a quarterback when healthy on a points per game basis is a guaranteed top 10 fantasy quarterback. Look at the numbers. He's never been outside the top 10 on a points per game basis. And I got no reason to believe that he wouldn't be there again next year and the years after that. Yeah, I I think it's really clear. These are two guys that I've been like huge uh, stands of over the last couple of years. Uh, when both were maybe at lower values than they are now, and I kind of I kind of agree with you on the Kyler thing. Like I, I, at some point, I would always make after, even after the injury. Like you're getting this guy cheap, and he's always a QB one. Uh, so I, I I might lean Kyler there, but I, I I'd have no problem with somebody going to it either. But 
Uh, I, I kind of think I would go Kyler to it. But anyway, Andrew, well, I, I kind of interrupted well, you. So like, no, that's fine. So like, just for, for my own two cents, I like the weapons that Tua has more. That's usually why I, I, I break the tie that way, right? And the, the, there's consistency. McDaniel's not going anywhere. They were a playoff team. The Cardinals are a team in disarray. As much as I like Kyler's talent, we don't know really what that team's going to look like next year. I mean, I just it's too many question marks for me. So I will say Kyler probably has a higher ceiling, but I think he also has a lower floor. And with the quarterback, I'd rather have a little bit more consistency, especially with my first pick and again i'm not saying two is very consistent it's you know 2a and 2b in this case and it was like a coin flip but i just prefer yeah, two a, i guess they're actually back to, i looked in the dlf adp they're back to back at qb eight and nine so yeah two, two that, that fits. yeah we're, yeah, we're also fits. assuming here that take is going to get his uh option here picked up too right i mean yeah. he, he doesn't have yeah. a contract i mean miami hasn't committed to him so he may not be a dolphin he may not have That's those true. weapons that you're talking about so there's a lot of I mean, with the Cardinals and the Dolphins there in those situations, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered here before we could feel good. That's why they are, like you said, according to DLF there, the uh, ADP, they're right beside each other. They're right there. They're within two spots in my uh, dynasty rankings as well. And, hey, J-Mike, miss you, buddy. Yeah. Love Jim Mike in the chat. Well, so here's so here's another one that I thought was interesting. And and again, I'm not going to go through the whole draft. It's not that kind of show. But I did want to poke on a couple of these that I thought were interesting. Uh, the first one that it kind of I wouldn't say rocked my world, but made me really have to think uh, was Dalton Kincaid or a 25 first. Rocky, which one would you have taken of those two? Dalton Kincaid or a 25 first? I think I go Kincaid there. I've never I've actually been a huge Kincaid guy uh, when he was coming out last year. I thought he got a little overhyped, uh, but but he he played well when uh, especially when Knox was out. And I, I don't think that uh, I, I think he can overtake like Knox did take some away from him. Uh, but the, there's the whole the whole pass catcher group there could be overhauled this year too. Yeah, uh, Diggs yeah. doesn't seem to be happy. I believe Gabe Davis is a free agent. Uh, so Kincaid could step up more going forward. So especially the first being two years out, I think I would lean Kincaid there. Matt, are you on the same page? I am. The 2025 first doesn't do absolutely nothing for me. Uh, I mean, I don't have the patience to wait before I can win. Give me the player I can (laughs) win with right now. And that's Dalton Kincaid. We're talking about a guy that's going to be, would be a first round pick in 2024's draft, let alone worrying about 2025. So yeah, I'm with Kincaid here. And it's, I don't think it's particularly close right now. For me, I want players that I can win now. If it was a 2024 first, maybe it'd be a little bit close. But even at that, you look at this class and I got Brock Bowers here as 104, 105 type range. I got Kincaid in that same area as Brock Bowers. So really, what are you, what are you gaining by going to 2025 for this pick? Well, you're just hoping it doesn't tank, I guess, is the idea, right? You're just hoping that value – and, again, in a dispersal, especially as a, as a you know a new manager coming into the league, there is some idea of, like, well, let's insulate my value as much as possible. I say go the other way. Uh, this is – in this draft, too, I only ended up with two draft picks. Both are this year. I have nothing in 25. Everybody else was going after the picks. Well, the other two, I should say, were going after the picks. I was like, I'll just take all the talent, then. I'll just see what kind of team I can build from the scraps. And I think it worked out pretty well. I, I By the way, I did take Kincaid. I think that made the most sense to me too. I was There were two 25 firsts still on the board and the 24 113. Cause again, we, uh, we reward that in this league for the toilet bowl winner. So there is a 24 first kind of, it's really the 24 second, but still like two 25 firsts and a 24 early second. I was like, nah, give me Kincaid. It's tight end premium. I think that there's too much value there. And again, looking at the league, I, and especially in dispersal, any kind of draft, I tend to draft for value. I'm not looking at my lineup at all. 
I don't care about, you know, who I've got and what. I'm like, well, who's got the most value? And that kind of brings me to my next one, which I thought was interesting. Um, I had thought about taking Dallas Goddard. He went right before my pick and got left with Jake Ferguson instead. But it made me start thinking, like, is Jake Ferguson really about the same as Dallas Goddard? Like, is is that crazy talk or am I on the right track here? I feel like that's about right, right? You I'll go to you, I guess, Matt. Sorry, I'll kick it to you first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got I actually got a Ferguson. I'm looking at my rankings right now. I got Ferguson ahead of Goddard as far as dynasty is yeah. concerned. I, I love this Cowboys. I mean, who knows what we're going to see, what Jerry decides here the next couple yeah. of days because of what <laughs> happened here during wild card weekend. But when I look at this, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in Philadelphia after their wild card exactly. weekend? I mean, we could be seeing both these coaching staffs completely blowing up. Sirianni, I mean, Offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, gone. Easy. The coordinators have to go. Oh, Bill Sirianni Bell. could be gone too, Matt. There's yeah. Sirianni there. could definitely be gone. <laughs> if you're looking over on the other side, we got Bill Belichick out there. You've got to believe. Mm-hmm. Dan Quinn, I think Dan Quinn, the way this Dallas Cowboys team came out, he's probably gone. So now you're looking at pretty much two, I think we have brand new coaching staffs there in both Dallas and in Philadelphia. So in this situation, and especially tight end premium, as talented as Goddard is, we've seen Kincaid, or sorry, we've seen Ferguson have success, and De- we know Dak Prescott loves himself a tight end. So for me, I'm into this. <laughs> as long as we've got Jalen Hurts there in Philadelphia, he's still going to take away all those goal line touches. He's going to get those touchdowns from the one, the two. Dallas will throw that. They'll throw that to Jake Ferguson for the two-yard line. So yep. I like Ferguson here. A lot more than Dallas Goddard. I got him a couple spots higher as far as my dynasty rankings are concerned. And by the I way, in, in uh, TA scoring last year, which is 1.75 premium, uh, only 0.4 points separating the two, uh, Goddard, in points per game, uh, 13.7 to 13.3. Goddard is is the 0.4 points ahead. But, yeah, there's very little difference. Uh, the only thing, the only argument I would make for Goddard um, – would just be maybe that he has more name cachet, which could mean more exactly. trade value. That's um, where I was going for it too. I was like, I just think I could get more for Goddard maybe, you know, cause of that familiarity, but yeah, it's, it's a, you know, tricky one. Yeah. yeah we're talking about a 29 year old tight end versus a 25 year old tight end true. here. Yeah, that's true too. I'll, I'll, I'll take those five years easy. Oh, I'm with you. I just, I, I would probably rather roster Ferguson than Goddard at this point and rather buy Ferguson. Cause you probably can get him slightly cheaper. So. Not much longer. Yeah, there's three touchdowns this weekend. Uh, if anybody was watching that, that obviously doesn't help. Uh, but so the last one that I wanted to mention, and this one, again, was just a head scratcher for me, but maybe I'm on an island. Uh, I'll, I'll read these four picks in a row, and you can tell me what sounds out of place. It was the uh, 24-304, then Javante Williams, Quentin Johnston, and the 24-305. I thought that was interesting about, like, between the 304 and 305, we got Javante Williams and Quentin Johnston. Rocky, does does that make sense to you, or is that wild value on those two players? That yeah, that is wild to me. I, more so, even Javante. Even though I know, I agree. Javante was, was the round. one. I'm like, I have to yeah. take Javante here, right? Like for a third rounder, like that's kind of the value we're at. Like 25 seconds went before that, right? Yeah. So it's like I would much rather have Javante. I think he's going to have something. I don't know. And, it just feels like I don't know. Easy pick, yeah. And it's no secret I've been a, a bit of a Javante truther um, on this show. And I, I said all along, like, whatever we get out of him this year is more of a bonus to me. And I know, you know, by next year, he's already, what, I think a fourth-year guy. But he's a young fourth-year yeah. guy. Uh, I believe he's only, like, 24, 23, something like that. So um, he will be – He's 23, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think we'll see better, you know, if he can stay healthy next year. I think we'll see better than what we saw this year. 
pending, I guess, the quarterback because we don't yeah. know where that's going right now. Yeah. Uh, and if it's like if it's some garbage bridge QB, uh, that that's not going to go well for Javante probably. But uh, I still am going to take him all day over the three hundred four. Third, like a three hundred four. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, yeah. come on, Matt. Are you, are you on the same page as us here? Or is this? Uh, are you different than us? Absolutely. I got Williams as a top twelve running back as far as dynasty is concerned. Let's go. Running back. I love it. We knew. <laughs> we knew coming into this yes. season what was going to be the situation there with Williams. I mean, we didn't get a Brees Hall type season, but we expected both these running backs to come out slow. Brees Hall, he had some good games early. He had some strong games late. Yes. He had, he was consistent. We did see some good signs out of Williams. We've seen him get some volume when we were not expecting that volume for him. So for me, hey, Williams is a top 12 running back until otherwise, I uh, hear otherwise. I mean, there's some good running backs in that same tier. Pacheco, James Cook, Ramondre Stevenson. You can make arguments for all those guys in that same tier as Williams. But I know what I got in Williams. I remember what he did two years ago before he became the guy there in Denver. So when I look at this, Williams, and we're looking at a third round, you're not going to get a back Williams caliber in the third round of your drafts. Even Devin Chen was a second-round draft last season as far as fantasy is concerned. So I look at this, and I know you're not going to get a third-round running back as good as Williams. Now, when I go in there and I draft a team and I'm working my leagues, I am typically the guy who's going to draft a running back and trade for wide receivers. I don't like trading for running backs because of uh, how quickly they become obsolete as far as fantasy is concerned. But in this case, when we're looking at a third rounder versus a 23-year-old back, hey, I'm all in on Williams. Yeah, I mean, you could take Williams there and probably immediately turn him around for a second to somebody. Somebody's going to pay a second for Javante Williams. So I I wouldn't even think about taking the three. And you said that those were in order, correct? Three or four. That was exactly. So those two players were between those two picks, which I think is just, I mean, again, the way it falls, it's a dispersal. So not everything is available, right? You're kind of looking at what little bit of scraps there are. But again, I just thought it was, I wouldn't say a no brainer, but I was looking at the, the 304 goes and I'm like, oh. Well, all right, I'm definitely taking Javante. And then the one we didn't talk about, Quentin Johnston was a first-round pick this year. And now he's going for what apparently is equivalent-ish value of a third-round pick. I still – I mean, again, you don't have to love Quentin Johnston, but you can love that value. In my mind, it was like that was a smash to me too. I'm like, those two players both have an immense upside, and a third-round pick has very little upside. And even if – like, let's say it is a trade addicts league. So who these picks may not even get picked, right? But you're not going to get something massive for a 304 alone. You're going to have to add something to it or use it as a throw-in to get the deal done. I just I, I just felt like, man, that felt too easy. And then the other thing I'll mention just in the, the sense of the dispersal, I was trying to go with, you know, just taking players that I thought were worth something as opposed to the picks. I only ended up with the 208 and the 407 in this draft. And I'll probably trade those by the time the draft rolls around. But I want to say this too: on a second chance auction or second chance dispersal like this, it really does help invigorate the league, especially those bad teams that are kind of getting out of it. I felt like, you know, going into this, I was like, man, this is going to be a rough year. I still feel that way, but at least I had a chance to shuffle the deck. You know what I mean? Like, at least I had a chance to kind of like look at some different players and like take a new chance on somebody. And I don't know, kind of now I have players I don't love like I had before, and I want to trade for those guys I had. Well, that incites more activity, which I think is exactly why Russ does it. So I love the idea, and I went very QB heavy. I ended up with – and let me read all the QBs I got from this draft because this this is crazy to me. I got Lamar Jackson, Geno Smith, Derek Carr, 
Uh, Mac Jones. Again, these are way later picks here. Jimmy Garoppolo, Jameis Winston, who I think could both have something. Der- Drew uh, Drew Locke, Tommy DeVito, who showed some out. So I'm looking at this like Stetson Bennett. I'm like, load me up on the QBs in a Superflex League, and maybe one of them hits and I can flip them. So, I mean, that was my logic. And I went very light on receiver. Uh, my number one receiver is the aforementioned Quentin Johnston and then uh, Darnell Mooney. So I'm not, you know, I'm not looking great at receiver. But my logic, too, is it's the non-point scoring season. And I'd rather be heavy on the, the point premium type positions. So I went pretty good on uh, quarterback and tight end. I got a couple of good running backs that I can definitely flip, I think, for value. So, I mean, I'm looking a little bit brighter, I think, than I was uh, last week. But dispersals are just fun, man. It's just a, it's just a fun little, like, you know, halfway draft. And it kind of causes some of these questions to come up, you know? Yeah, I, that that's the best argument uh, I think there is for jumping into a second. Like, I, I, I mentioned earlier, I'm more like the purest dynasty yeah. manager type uh, you know, work your way out of your own mess kind of thing. But if you're, you know, if you just want to have some fun, I, I'm not going to fault you. I mean, everybody does what they want to do and enjoys it the way they enjoy it. I enjoy trying to dig myself out rather than, even though, like I said, I, I don't think I said this before the show, but I did one last year um, in TA4 and uh, it worked out pretty well. But in general, I kind of try and stay away from them because I don't, I don't want to, again, old school purist. I'm the old guy. I'm in my mid forties. So, uh, that's, I, to each I totally own, get it. Yes, exactly. Get to I totally yeah. get I'm, it. I'm not saying you have to do fun. it. Yeah. Yep. Well, also, I was looking at it for the content. I'm like, you know what? This could be entertaining if, if we end up having to talk about it uh, at some point on Junkies or whatever. I'm like, well, I didn't expect to talk about it right away, but here we are. It was a TA league. It makes total sense. So, yeah, I just, I'm just i excited for my team again, and that's really the whole goal. And now we can go back and get back into trading, which apparently was uh, down this week. But I think part of that was the playoffs and you know, all of this other stuff that's happening in real life and everybody kind of just having that you know downturn. But also there were dispersals, I think, in every league almost. So, I mean, yeah. that, that was a lot of action for a lot of those managers. And I think, too, if you take three of the managers out and doing a dispersal, that's three fewer managers that other people can trade with. So I just feel like it makes everybody kind of pause, which is not a bad thing. And I think it makes the league a little bit more fun as we roll out of it here. And one other thing I wanted to bring up before we get in the news that I, I didn't throw on the sheet here, but I had thought about it. And then something Matt said uh, reminded me of it. Uh, which was the Jake Ferguson, or no, I think it was what you said, Andrew, one of you two said about Jake Ferguson and the big game he had. So oh, yeah. um, I, I was just curious how much, like, do you uh, factor in, like, do you get, do you start trying to sell guys off big playoff performances? Do you buy into guys more off big playoff? Because I still remember, uh, I guess it must be like five years ago now at this point, Sony Michelle went nuts for the Patriots oh, yeah. in the playoffs. And I was all over Sony Michelle, and I think it was a big part. I mean, he had a decent year that year, uh, and I liked him as a prospect anyway. But I, I, I think I doubled down on it because of that playoff run, and it was not a good choice. So <laughs> I've kind of always been wary since then. But we've seen a little bit of that already um, with Ferguson. With um, only had one game uh, so far, but with, and, and it's all it's going to have. But Puka. Uh, had a oh, yeah. game while Cooper Cup did very little. It almost you could, could almost interpret it as a changing of the guard at this point. Yeah. So I'm curious, Matt how, and Andrew too, but Matt, I'll let you go first. Uh, kind of how much, if at all, do you weigh playoff performances in terms of you know we're not scoring points now, but there's a, it can obviously cause value swings. And, and do you buy in and try and hold guys or buy guys, or are you generally trying to sell off of that kind of thing? Well, I'm not a guy who is going to have a knee-jerk reaction. I'm a very laid-back type manager that I like to see how things play out. 
But if I get a Gabriel Davis who's going to go off for four touchdowns in a game against the Chiefs, I am selling. Frank he's he's just going said that on the, the block. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember as soon as that happened in that game, I put him on the trade block because, quite frankly, I don't like him. There's certain players <laughs> that I just don't believe in. Yep. Puka Nakua, we know he's capable of doing what he did. We know he's capable of putting up 181 yards because we've seen it time and time again. So it really shouldn't surprise us with him doing it in the playoffs. Gabriel Davis, who never did that, before that playoff game, and he has never done it after that, we yep, should no. already know that that's not going to happen. Sony Michelle, same thing. Never going to happen again. Never going to happen again. Never happened before. So why why would we buy at peak value? That's my thing. I'm never going to be that guy who's going to buy on peak value. And like you said, Sony Michelle, that was his peak value. Gabriel Davis, peak value. So I'm not that guy who's going to go out there and buy. But I will sell when he's at the highest. And I'd rather get out a year or two early than a year or two late. And those people that went out there and they bought the Sony Michelle shares, how'd that work out for you two years later, right? It no. didn't. People who bought the Gabriel Davis breakout game there against the Chiefs, how'd that work out for you? It didn't. In fact, you're probably going to be recovering from that for the next year, next two years for that decision. So when you have a big-time breakout, I'm pumping the brakes as a buyer. I'm not going to go because that is peak value. I don't want to pay the premium price for a player unless I've seen it happen. I'll pay a premium for Puka Nakua. I think he's going to be a top 12 fantasy wide receiver in Dynasty for some time. We're, you mentioned the changing of the guard. I don't know if it's quite there yet, but it's definitely happening. It's something that we could definitely see coming. We've seen it, we've seen Nakua have success with Cooper Cup. We've seen him have success with Cooper Cup. Now, what we haven't seen him have success with was a quarterback outside of Matthew Stafford. Because he's also getting old and he's kind of banged up. So that's something else we have to factor into the equation as well. What the quarterback situation is when we look at these wide receivers, especially when they have big time games. But for me, I'm not buying at premium, but I will sell at premium. And that's how I like to run things. You on the same page as Matt, Andrew? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, if I can sell on a game like Ferguson had, I'm, I'm happy to get out and, and feel like I got a little profit. If he ends up being amazing, I can still say, well, at least I got a little bit out of it. Right. Uh, there are definitely times I think we see maybe I'm wrong on this and this could be recency bias and more anecdotal than stats. But I feel like we see a lot more of these games that end up in busts than than studs. Right. Like the one off games end up becoming more of like, oh, yeah, that one off game that Sonny Michelle had. Oh, that one off game that Gabe Davis had. Oh, that one off game that Jake Ferguson might have had. Right. I'd rather be the guy that sells based on that feeling than saying, well, this is it. This is real. One, one data point is all I need. I don't know that that's ever true in today's NFL. So I'm always happy to be the one selling. Again, I'm not going to sell to sell. I'm not going to trade away for nothing. But like Matt said, if, if you're trying to, you know, trade somebody I want and, and make it a deal I can't say no to, I'll be glad to entertain that thought. I'm not going to hold anybody either. So, yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page as Matt when it comes to that. And, and just in my defense, Sony Michelle was a whole playoff friend. It wasn't just one game. Okay. <laughs> how how <laughs> long my brain is. Yes, and how I always I specifically yeah. remember it because of how wrong I was. And, and I wasn't like buying him instantly. Uh, but during that non-point scoring season, I do remember picking up multiple Sony Michelle shares because I did kind of buy in. But yeah, he had like he had like multiple hundred yard games and I think like six touchdowns over the course of the playoffs. I think it was one of those Super Bowl runs. So um but anyway, it was not a good choice. But I, I agree with both of you. So we'll we'll uh we'll get into the news. Uh we've had some more coaching changes since we last were here. Uh the big one, Bill Belichick out after I believe it's twenty four years, I think. Uh okay. yep. And Gerard I'm Mayo nine. is now in. Uh so Bill Belichick leaves. 
I guess two things we could talk about here. One is, uh, does does it? What does this mean for anything? If anything, you think for the Patriots, like, is this going to be a, like a significant change in any way? Uh, I mean, Bill, I think definitely had his hand in personnel, and their offensive personnel has not been good um, for a while. Out, you know, even even when Brady was there, there was a lot of bad uh, offensive picks. We just talked about one, I think, in Sony Michelle. So uh, I'm curious what you think on the Patriot end. And then maybe we can speculate a little bit on where Bill might be going. Uh, yeah, so hold Matt, the, yeah, I was going to say, hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, special orders, don't upset us, put that extra mayo <laughs> on this Patriots team. That being said, it doesn't matter if it's Jared Mayo who's the, the head coach of this team. He needs his coordinators in place. This offense was bad. It's been bad for some time. You can go back to Matt Patricia or whoever it was. They need someone in there that knows how to run an offense. But before they do that, they need someone in there that can draft offensive players. The Patriots have not done a very good job drafting on the offensive side of the ball. That is why they're in the situation that they are in. So until they get that sorted out and before they can get that sorted out and get the offensive coordinator kind of uh, figured out there, the problem is not the defense. Jared Mayo and that defense, they were bowling out. They're one of the best defensive units in the National Football League last season. They need to figure it out from a scouting standpoint and then from an offensive playmaking standpoint. So those are the two things there that I'm more concerned about. When I look at fantasy, I don't want any Patriots. It has nothing to do with Mayo being the head coach. It has everything to do with what are they going to be bringing in this year? What's this year's draft class look like? Who's going to be calling those shots? Who's going to be designing those plays? It's not going to be Jared Mayo designing the plays for the offense. So until we know what that looks like, I, I'm not touching anyone on this offense here. Bailey Zappi, Mac Jones. <laughs> no, no, thank you. And it's, Mac Jones is an interesting name to bring up too because I, I mean I think there's a decent chance he would have been out anyway. Uh, but w- whether Bill Belichick's there or not, uh, I think it's almost a certainty that with the third pick. Uh, I think they're in position. I, I, I my guess is that they trade up to one or two, especially with the if the Bears hold on the fields, they don't they, they don't need, they can get a bundle for the number one drop to three and still get a bundle. Uh, so uh, I'm curious. Uh, I guess Andrew, uh, what you think, oh, Matt? You got, you got something you want to say on this? The Patriots aren't in a position right now with the way that roster's set up to trade up for the number one and pay a bundle. That's the problem with this. They yeah, go there, they do go anything. Get- to- quarterback look at how's that working out for carolina right now there's no guarantee in this position we talk about generational quarterbacks there's no guarantee in fact carolina by not picking cj stroud or even anthony richardson and going with bryce young the owner's decision on that more than likely this could have set the franchise back even further they gave up a first they gave up dj Moore. they gave up all these parts where are they at now? They're not contending next year. They're not contending the year after that. So for me, this is New England is in that very same situation. I think they have to kind of hold and hope that Drake May drops to them at three. And if Drake May doesn't, it, then maybe Jaden Daniels. You've got a quarterback that you can maybe move up and get. I mean, Jaden Daniels is going to be a nice consolation there at three if they want to pass up on Marvin Harrison, which I don't know if you could pass up on Marvin Harrison at number three. You want offensive playmakers. This team needs offensive playmakers. The one thing I do know about a a defensive head coach moving into a head coach role here is the fact that they're going to want to play good defense and they're going to want to run the ball. And they've got Ramondre Stevenson to run the ball. So they need playmakers to the outside and they need the quarterback. 
And I think they wait and see what happens there. They're going to be a quarterback available. It's not going to be Caleb Williams, but Drake May or Jaden Daniels seems like a good consolation if that's the route that they decide to go with. Okay, and Andrew, any any thoughts on the whole Patriots thing? And also, I don't know that it's like – I think to Matt's point about whether Belichick's the coach or not uh, in New England, I'm not sure where he goes is going to matter much either. I think, again, it's going to be what kind of offensive um, coordinator he brings in. Uh, but I also just think it's fun, even if it's not super fantasy relevant, to speculate where it might go. So let's we could do a little bit of that too after you talk on the Patriots, Andrew. Oh, we got eight whole months of this. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> but uh, the, the only thing I'll go with, agreeing a lot with what Matt said there. But the, my main thing is, I'm looking at this as uh, thinking of it like in, in almost in terms of a relationship, right? The Patriots and Bill Belichick were in a 24 year relationship. They're on the rebound with Mayo, right? Like he was their friend. He was there for the while, and like. Hey, he's a nice, easy out, but I have a suspicion that Mayo is only going to be there a couple of years, kind of as a palate cleanser in a sense, till they find their next long-term guy. I think Mayo's a great coach, or could be a great coach. I think he's a great player. Um, but that then makes me think if he's not their long-term solution, and again, I'm pure speculating. I have no inside info. But if he's their like short-term answer and kind of just somebody that we know and can kind of clear our palate a little, then why would they draft a quarterback? Why would they do anything that is like franchise worthy? I think what you're going to see is a lot of those little tiny picks. They're going to do things like defensive tackle, cornerback, offensive tackle, tight end. Like they're going to shore up some of those big men position that takes some time to, to, to learn the position, you know, to quote, unquote, right. I don't think you're going to see a lot of flash offensive linemen or offensive players and playmakers even uh, get drafted. That's just my guess, just based on what I know. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked at all if you see. I was just going to say they could be ones trading down then instead of up. Well, that's where I was going to go next. I could see them trading three and trading out of that pick to gain more assets and then signing someone like a Russ Wilson or signing someone like a Jimmy Garoppolo, right? He's got some history there. So, like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they end up upgrading their QB through free agency, they trade down in the draft or trade out into next year or something and just kind of collect assets and kind of sit on their laurels because this AFC East right now is not a place you can contend with a rookie. Right. You've got, I mean, even the Jets with Aaron Rodgers, they're kind of up and coming. But above that, you got the Bills and the Dolphins. You're going to have to re- gut and rehab this entire house. This, this whole, this whole Patriots house has got to go. And I think too, if you look at it again with another analogy, it's like you're living in a house of the nineties with Belichick, right? You got to tear this thing all the way down. It's not going to take one coat of paint. You know, a lot of teams are one coat of paint away from winning. I don't think the Patriots are. So I would not be shocked at all if we see a massive change in the way that their offense functions, the way that their team functions, the way they draft. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked at all if we see them just kind of Robert Kraft goes in and just says, screw it, I'm knocking every wall down with a sledgehammer kind of thing. And we don't see them contend for another couple of years. And then, of course, everybody's going to talk about Belichick was the goat and he left and we're terrible. And no, 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 this is what happens in the NFL, especially when you have a coach for 24 years, which is rare. You're going to have to do something big. And I, that's kind of where I'm at. As much as I love Jared Mayer, I, I just don't think he's the – the right fit, it seemed too quick. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was a clearly a rebound feel. It's just like, oh, you're right back into a coach again. Like, come on, you didn't even try. Like, you didn't even look. But it's just better to have a coach than to be drama, maybe is the idea. So that's kind of where I stand on the Patriots. And again, pure speculation. And we don't have to talk in depth about it. Just real quick, uh, Andrew and then Matt, uh, where's Belichick end up? the couch personally I don't think he coaches anywhere I think a lot of this is just smoke and mirrors I think he wants to feel wanted but I also feel like he is old enough and has done enough I don't think he needs to go anywhere so I'd be shocked I wouldn't say shocked I'd be 
just mildly amused if he ends up in, in Atlanta, right? Like that would just be like that. Every, wherever he's going to go is going to want him to bring a Super Bowl within a year or two, and that's just not going to happen because if they need a new coach, they're not a year or two away. Unless maybe the Eagles, right? Which would be wonky to me if seeing Bill Belichick at the Eagles. But there's a couple of the, like Cowboys. I don't think would happen just because Belichick would steal too much of Jerry Shine. Like there's so many of these things. I just I personally think Belichick is not coaching next year. Unfortunately. What about you, Matt? The Patriots are Shea carpeting and wallpaper, according to Andrew there. They got that nasty yes. look going on. <laughs> yes. Bill Belichick is coaching next year. He's too close to Don Shula's record of wins not to coach. It's like, why would you give up when you're this close to getting it? And <laughs> talk about him outshining someone like Jerry Jones, but all of a sudden, Jerry Jones brings in Bill Belichick here, and he gets the rec- wins record as a Dallas Cowboy. Jerry Jones is going to take credit for that somehow, right? It's going to be one of those things like, hey, I got the all-time winningest coach here with the Dallas Cowboys. And that Dallas Cowboys roster is ready to win now. So for me, I can see him very easily becoming a Dallas Cowboys head coach if that position does indeed open up. He's going to coach next year. He's going to find himself a good position uh, in which he can do so. But Atlanta, you know, they've got some good pieces there, but they don't have a quarterback. And I think he wants a quarterback considering he hasn't had one for the last couple of years. So it's going to have to be the right fit for Bill Belichick, but he's definitely coaching somewhere next season just to get that record. And what you said about the quarterback there leads to, to my, uh, my dark horse pick for belt bill is uh, going to LA. Uh, you got Justin Herbert out there with the chargers. Chargers, yeah. Uh, and uh, St- you know, Staley was fired mid season. And this is a team every year where we, we all think is, has the talent to, to compete. And, and they never do. And they always find ways to lose. Maybe if you have Bill Belichick, you, you find ways to win. Uh, he shores up that defense. They have the quarterback. So that, that was my thinking. Uh, but I agree. I think Bill, I actually think Bill does coach next. Just like, like you said, I think he's got the kind of ego. He wants that, that, that record. So that's true. Uh, the other big coaching change was Pete Carroll. Uh, I guess being, get, being kicked upstairs, <clears throat> I think pretty much. Uh, so, uh, Again, he's not necessarily the uh, in control of the offense, uh, but I do think you know we there's definitely been a uh, kind of Pete Carroll kind of team uh, over the years where uh, he likes to run the ball a lot, uh, doesn't uh, necessarily have his quarterbacks do a lot. Do we think maybe that gets uh, shaken up uh, with Pete Carroll out of there? Maybe, maybe they 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 want something different now. I'll I'll jump in here. I think that Pete Carroll wants to coach, but I don't think they want him to. Yeah. But they also don't want him to coach somewhere else. So rather than fire him, like you said, they're kicking him upstairs. I think that's kind of what it comes down to is they, they want him in the building, but they don't want him making decisions. Um, I mean, again, maybe it's because he chews his gum too long and they're just like, man, I don't trust this guy. But uh, he is still very – I think he's still very football intelligent. I just – the grind of coaching is not something I could ever do. But when you get older and older, as I – someone – we're all in our older ages in a quote-unquote sense, right? As I've gotten older, it's been harder to get up those stairs, you know, let alone getting up every day and grinding from 5 a.m. to midnight, you know. I just feel like there's there's at some point you just got to hang it up. And maybe it's better for him to to be told to do it than to – limp around for a couple of years and, and see how it goes. I think too, I think that the Seahawks are, are Pete Carroll at this point. I mean, like he, he has just been there so long. I was kind of surprised they didn't do the same thing with Belichick in New England. But again, it is what it is. You got to do what you got to do. It's always a business, but 
I wasn't shocked at all to see the time finally come for both Belichick and Carroll and Saban, if we're talking about legends. I mean, it was a hell of a season for for these three monster coaches that, you know, we may not see again for a while as the way the NFL goes. Nobody really gets a chance for 20 years anymore. So we'll see how it goes. But no, I, I full respect to Carroll. I think he's uh, it, it, he's earned it in a way. What about you, man? I think Carroll wants to coach. I, I listened to that press conference there. It didn't sound like a guy who was retiring. Um, I watched him on the sidelines this year. The dude's got more energy than any one of us could possibly dream of of having right now. Watching him run up and down. He looks like he's like a 35-year-old out there. He's got that kind of energy. He's out there throwing the ball around with the guys and all this other fun stuff. This was one, I, I agree with you there, Andrew, where the Seahawks just didn't want him to be that guy anymore. Right. And they don't want him to go somewhere else and be that guy. Because I think Carroll wanted to coach again. I think he wants to be on an NFL sideline. I think that's what he does best. He is a coach. He's not a, a office guy. He's a coach. And I, I think being in the office is going to kill him. I really do. I don't think he's going to like it. It's going to take away from his passion because I've seen his passion at play there, and it's on the field as a mentor to these players. Now, an interesting one is possibly Jim Harbaugh being uh, linked to Seattle, Jim Harbaugh being linked to the Los Angeles Chargers there. It all depends on if Jim Harbaugh can get immunity for whatever's Ooh. happened in Michigan. I mean, I, I see a report out there that he's like, hey, I want immunity. I'm like, what do you need immunity for? That does not sound like an innocent man asking for immunity. I know. So, I, mean, I love that. I got more questions. We'll talk about hey, it. Sure I don't mind him asking. I don't mind him asking, right? Like, hey, I, I ask for immunity all the time. You know, my wife's yeah, like, what do you want for dinner? I'm like, I just want immunity first. Like, I might as well ask. What are you going to say? No? Okay, cool. Yeah, this, this is that's exactly what this reminds me of. This reminds me of me talking to my wife, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. I, I'm you're better off asking for forgiveness than permission, and that's what Jim Harbaugh is doing right now when it comes to the NCAA. But that, that's neither here nor there. The bottom line is Pete Carroll wants to coach somewhere, but I don't think the Seahawks want him coaching anywhere. Yeah, it's okay. keep away. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. Um, speaking of Seahawks, former Seahawk uh, Russ Wilson. Uh, apparently report uh, this is a uh, per Jeremy Feller per Frank because all our news comes from Frank. <laughs> That's uh, right. But uh, Thanks, the, Vi- <laughs> the Vikings are interested in Russ if Cousins doesn't resign. That that's that's intriguing to me. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on Russ at this point in his career? And do, do you like the the Vikings uh, connection there? If he were to go there, Josh Dobbs, Nick Mullins. Jaron Hall. Do I really need to say more? <laughs> if the Vikings do not get themselves some Kirk Cousins, I mean, it's going to, I think Kirk Cousins talked about taking a team-friendly deal, and that team-friendly deal is probably going to still be $40 million per season. So how friendly is that deal? I don't know. He could probably get $50 million on the open market. But Kirk Cousins, he wants to be a Minnesota Viking. The problem is that Achilles, I don't know, unlike uh, Aaron Rodgers, it's the opposite Achilles. It's the one that he's got to plant and drive on. So it's a little bit different than the Aaron Rodgers recovery here, in which Aaron Rodgers potentially could have came back this season if the Jets not sucked. So for me, I, I think the Vikings need to bring back Kirk Cousins. I've seen enough out of Russell Wilson to say, hey, I don't want you. Unless you're coming back to me on a Baker Mayfield type deal, a one-year mm. type prove it there. We'll load you up on incentives. You win this playoff game, we'll give you 250 k You win this playoff game, we'll give you another 250 k the only problem with that is I think Baker Mayfield is going to find himself somewhere getting that 30-year, $90 million type dollar contract here for the Bucs going into next year. And I don't see Russell Wilson getting another $30 million. And, I mean, he doesn't need it. I mean, 
he basically robbed the Broncos there on that last contract. So, I mean, <laughs> when it's all said and done, Wilson doesn't need the money. Maybe he can do a really team-friendly deal, maybe something friendlier than Kirk Cousins. But if I'm the Vikings, I want Cousins back ahead of Russell Wilson. And Vikings fans, be careful what you ask for. We've seen this too many times when a team wants to move on from a quarterback. It's not always a better situation that you're moving into. There are bad quarterbacks out there that are going to happen. <clears throat> Geno Smith, Russell Wilson. <coughs> well, <Good> um, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't want to point fingers or anything, but if I'm the Vikings, I want Kurt Cousins as my number one option. But Russell Wilson is definitely an upgrade on the three other quarterbacks they use this season. I'm with you. I mean, I, I would definitely prefer Kirk uh, over Russell. Everybody knows I'm, a, I'm also a big Kirk guy. So, uh, but uh, Andrew, if if, uh, if Kirk was to go, what do you think of of Russell Wilson with those weapons? Would you be Would you be interested? Do you think um, Do you think we see? Uh, I mean, he had a good year this year. I mean, not amazing, but a solid. He had a solid fantasy quarterback with uh, arguably lesser weapons than what he'd have in Minnesota. I mean, I I want Russ to be good, I guess. Like, I want to believe that he's still that talent. Um, but sometimes, you know, it, it falls off, and it falls off quick, especially for quarterbacks. And I'm, I'm worried that it's falling off, and, and not fallen in the past, but in the act of falling off. So uh, if, he, if he does land in Minnesota with Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison and, you know, TJ Hawkinson, like, that's some weapons. I'll take whoever's there, to be honest. Uh, I, I just think that those weapons can make any quarterback, you know, survivable and super flex, even, you know, quarterback 20 and beyond. It's all a crapshoot anyway. I think the Vikings would be smart to re-sign Kirk, though, kind of to what Matt said. Like, he's going to get good money. I think he's proven enough. He, he's talented enough. Even with the injury, I think that they find a way to make Kirk Cousins a, a Minnesota Viking. And that, that seals one more deal that, you know. Russ can't go to, but generally speaking, I, I do like Russ and I think wherever he lands, I'm, I'm in. Uh, and I'm actually trying to acquire him in some leagues that I, I need quarterback help or I've got two and are looking for a third. Um, I know I've heard of Russ going a couple different places. I, I saw somebody mention, I think it was yesterday, the day before uh, that Russ in Atlanta would be kind of wild because again, like those weapons need some help. So again, I think wherever he goes, he's probably going to have a good time and I want to be there for that. And as soon as he signs, that value is going to go up. So I kind of want to acquire him now while everybody's not talking about him and then trade him away because I don't really want to start him next year wherever he lands. So it's kind of like I'm, I want, I'm, I'm talking out of both sides. I want to gain the value when it gets the bump, but I, I want to get out before I get to the season. Does that make sense? Remember when everyone was talking about Russell Wilson leaving Seattle and leaving Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and not being a big drop-off because he's got Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Greg yep. Dolchich and all these other guys? The only thing that Russ is cooking right now is fried bologna with a little skyline chili. That's about the only thing that Russell can cook <laughs> oh, right now. I wouldn't even start making cereal right now. Me Lucky Charms, he ain't getting anywhere near that. I don't even know if he, he's probably one of those guys that pours the milk in before the cereal, right? That's how Russ cooks right now. Oh, I don't want shout it. out Cooter Doodle. <laughs> yeah, she I think that shows the milk. I, I have a few shares of Russ already. I, I actually would be interested, especially because I don't, you know, I, I think he's pretty cheap right now. Yeah. And what Matt said earlier, um, Josh Dobbs, Nick Mullen, that they were producing though, like with Je Justin Jefferson, with um, uh, Jordan Addison, uh, the weapons. You know, T.J. Hawkinson, assuming he comes back relatively healthy fairly early, uh, I just think Russ is good enough that he would be elevated by those weapons, and you could get him at a cheaper. It's kind of the perfect guy for me to go after. The way I like to play quarterback and superflex. Uh, old, 
with weapons if you were to go there. And I like, I kind of like the idea of, of buying him now while he's still, because he'll get a bump, obviously, if he were to go someplace like Minnesota. Or I think Atlanta with London and Pitts. I think it, people would be all hyped up about that. Well, and you have J-Mike in the chat saying Steelers. That'd be interesting too, right? Pickens and uh, Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris like that. I, again, I think almost every – and this is how bad I feel like I guess about Denver is like almost every offense is an upgrade for us. What does that tell you? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're right, Matt. We did think it was going to be a drop-off going to Jerry, Judy, and Sutton, and nobody thought it was going to be this much of a drop-off. But I'd much rather have Justin Jefferson than Jerry, Judy. You know, that's two JJs I don't think belong in the same conversation. So <laughs> – yeah, it just it, to each their own. But again, all of those situations being upgrades makes me feel better about Russ by default, you know, by proxy. Well, I know the Vikings, they're looking I promise the Vikings right now are looking for the goodies, but I don't think Russell Wilson's that quarterback that's gonna help them level up. <laughs> Love that. Oh, that's terrific. <laughs> oh, that's too good, Matt. That's too good. Okay. So uh well no real quick. Um because Frank, I think this is the last news item Frank gave me. I threw in here. I just want to, I, I put it on the sheet and put a little thing in parentheses. I'm more interested in, in what I put in the parentheses here because yeah. uh, Chicago and New Orleans fired their OCs, and Frank threw in there Bears interviewed Greg Roman. Could this be a sign of what they want to do with Fields? Matt's shaking his head now. Man, I hope not. I mean, <laughs> anyone who's seen Greg Roman's offense, I mean, it, it's not good. I mean, I, I don't like it. I don't like it, especially for the wide receivers. I really don't like it for the wide receivers. There are issues there with uh, conflict of interest between a lot of players and Greg Roman's style. Sure, it worked out for Lamar Jackson as a running quarterback, so that fits really well into what Justin Fields does. But you want a quarterback. You need Justin Fields to develop as a passer. We've seen it, but with Greg Roman, that is not what's going to happen. And I mean, this just feels like more old dudes getting together and calling plays there in Chicago. And I don't like it at all. I mean, if, if Greg Roman's my offensive coordinator, I'm probably fading that team in general as far as fantasy is concerned. I'm with you. I could, if they keep fields, it could be good for It could be a sign they want to keep fields too. They're bringing in a guy who worked with Lamar for years. Uh, but I think it could be good for fields, bad for the, for the offense as a whole, though. Um, Andrew, anything you want to add on that before we move on? Well, I'll, I'll just add quickly because I know we're already you know pretty deep in here. But uh, Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator in Baltimore for a couple of years, and uh, when he left, everybody in Baltimore rejoiced. So, anywhere he signs, I'm I'm out, and I'm hoping again, kind of what Matt said. If he signs with the Bears, I'm guessing that means they don't want Fields because Fields is close enough to Lamar. He didn't utilize Lamar. I mean, it, it just makes zero sense if they want to keep Fields and then sign Roman. Again, he's just interviewing, so we're we're double speculating here. But yeah, if, if Greg Roman signs anywhere, I'm I'm feeling real bad about that offense. Okay, and usually at this point, uh, we'd ask the guests, "Do you want to do the <laughs> trades or the listener questions?" We have no trades, so we will move on to the listener questions. But in one of the listener questions, we have a trade question, so we'll start there uh, from uh, Mountain Man. At Mountain Man MT, uh, he lists uh, his running backs and receivers. We're just going to go based off value here. I'm not going to uh, get into all the context because that's how we like to do it here on Trade Addicts. So, yeah. uh, would you trade away Travis Etienne for Tank Dell and 302, Matt? This is a close deal for me because I like to trade my running backs to get my uh, wide receivers. But if I look at what he has, 
in the sheet there as far as the running back position. He's got Bijan Robinson. That's good. But after that, it goes Zamir White, Chase Brown, Damian Pierce, Alexander Madison, Michael Carter. I don't have an RB2 that I feel comfortable with there, especially if Josh Jacobs re-ups with the Vegas Raiders. So when I look at this, as much as I like Tank Dell, and by the way, I love myself some Tank Dell. When I look at my dynasty rankings, he is, uh, I think, my wide receiver 13 right now as far as dynasty is wow. concerned. So he's way up there. And uh, Travis Etienne, to his credit, I think he's my RB7 uh, right now. So you got two really good assets here. Uh, and the way you look at it, but when I'm looking at this roster, I'm looking, first off, I want the most talented player. So I look at these two players, I've got them both in my top 13 as far as dynasty assets are concerned. Normally, I would get away from the running back, but I look at these running backs, and he needs that running back more than he needs a wide receiver. He's got Drake London and Jordan Addison, and he's potentially got Michael Wilson there as a wide receiver three for his future. Tank Dell would definitely help his wide receivers out, but it would come at a cost to his running backs. So for me, I'm probably holding on. The 302 means absolutely nothing to me. Third-round picks are so far few between before hits. I mean, yeah, we got some good value with Puka Nakua there last draft, but it's rare that you're going to hit in the third round. So for me, this is ETN for Tank Dell. And when I look at roster and how this is constructed, it's ETN in this case. Uh, what about you, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, kind of what you said at the beginning, and like just taking all of the context out, I probably I would still want ETN over Tank Dell. That injury worries me a little bit. We've seen that happen a couple of times where they don't come back you know, right away and hit the ground running. I feel like there's a chance you could get Tank Dell for less than ETN, uh, you know, closer to the season or even after he comes back and struggles. So I, I don't think I'm sending this away unless, you know, unless you feel like it's a, it's a trade in a league that doesn't trade and you just feel like this is the best I can do. Or if you're real high on Tank Dell and, you know, wide receiver 13 is pretty high for me. If you feel like that's, he's only going to go up from there. If you're like kind of speculating in that way, or you feel like ETN isn't going to have the job. Like if you have some of those gut feelings, go for it. But in a, in a vacuum, I, I, agree that ETN is more greater sign tank Dell and the 302 does not make up that difference to me. Cause like Matt said, it's not enough. If it was like the, you know, 202, I might consider it right. Like, okay, now we're looking at like a potential first round pick cause somebody slid and you know, whatever like that. I could kind of, that I could sink my teeth into, but 302, that's nah, not enough to move the needle for me. I think I'm pretty much with you too. I it's, it's super close for me. Cause I love it's tank close. Dell, just like Matt does. I love tank Dell. Uh, was uh, again? I looked. I was looking up while you guys were talking. Wide receiver, wide receiver, seventeen points per game uh, in PPR as a rookie. That's that's pretty. Impressive. Does that include his zero that he got hurt? It includes his zero. So, I mean, yeah, got hurt. So it would have been better. slightly yeah. more. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he balled out this year. Honestly, yes, Tank Dell was amazing. Yeah, had, yeah, super high uh, ceiling there. Uh, I guess there is the worry they could bring in another uh, significant receiver. We talked a little bit about it on the show last week. I'm not that worried. I, I, I said last week, uh, when you have Tank Dell and Nico Collins doing what you're doing, I don't know why you invest significant resources yeah. in, in a free agent or a draft. They've got more holes, yeah. too. Like Let's be honest. They don't, yeah. they don't need a receiver. Yeah. Hey, let's give let's give Noah Brown some credit. If you're, if you're looking That's at yeah. receiver three, he's been productive. So they don't uh, – Wide receiver is not an area that the Texans need to address. Better, better yeah. wide receiver three than anybody on the Eagles this year. I can tell you that. Ugh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we we're rolling out Julio Jones as our wide receiver three. So, um, okay, so we will move on to our next question, which comes from the man himself, Frank. Uh, he, and talking about the, those Eagles, what what are you doing with the Eagles? 
Uh, Jason Kelsey retiring, maybe Lane Johnson as well. Tush Push potentially banned. AJ Brown is removing Eagle stuff from social media. It all kind of seems like it's falling apart. Uh, Andrew, are you using the turmoil to buy or, or trying to get out on, on Eagles? I am probably using the turmoil to buy. I, I feel like this team is still built to win. Uh, I think Hertz is still serious. I think that there are a lot of places that this team can can make hay in 2024 and beyond. So part of me is like, you know, Kelsey retiring. There's all this chaos with Sirianni. Like this might be a time to buy Hertz. This might be a time to buy AJ Brown, right? Like I, I do kind of think that, you know, I try I try to strike while the, the value is low. And I think that the value hasn't been this low in the Eagles since last offseason, really, to be honest with you, uh, when we were talking about them as who knows. But, yeah, it's just I am buying Eagles at this point. If somebody's willing to sell and get out, I'm, I'm willing to get in. I'll tell you what, right now, Eagles need to clean house. There's something that happened there in that locker room. And, again, I have no knowledge of anything here. But I do know what it's like to be on a football team. Something happened in that locker room, and that locker room was lost. You don't go 10-1 and one and then finish 1-6. and six. You don't do that with a team this talented. So something happened, and until that is fixed, I'm still avoiding this. I mean, if I see Sirianni gone, if I see the defensive coordinator gone, if I see the offensive coordinator gone, then I might start buying. So the more destructive it becomes in Philadelphia, the more I'm likely to buy because I think that is what needs to happen. That change needs to happen to bring that value back in. When we look at what A.J. Brown did, I mean, we've seen this time and time again from big-time players around the league where they'll take away their affiliation with that team. They'll scrub their social media. We've seen this several times from several big-time players. Again, I think something happened in that locker room that we're not privileged to that information right now. And once that is calm, then we'll see A.J. Brown wanting to be an eagle again. Then we'll see uh, Jalen Hurts getting his value back. And as far as we're looking at the rule changes, Jason Kelsey was the tush push. He was the brotherly shove. This tush push does not happen without Travis Kelsey. Why did Travis Kelsey retire? Probably because of the brotherly shove. That is a lot of man weight coming down on your back. (laughs) Play in and play out time and time again. He probably said, to hell with this, I'm out of here. And that's what caused him to retire because that is a lot to ask of a center, to go down and basically take that offensive line and have everyone jump over top of you to get in. Without him, the brotherly shove does not exist. I don't think the NFL is going to change that rule because Travis Kelsey was that rule or sorry, Jason Kelsey? My bad, Jason Kelsey. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with I, you. That's I'm, good with, point. I'm with you. It's fun. my son is uh 13. We were actually talking about that today because of the news that Kelsey's retiring. Uh, that the tush push is probably not gonna uh work the way it has. I, I agree. I think a lot of it has been because of Jason, Jason Kelsey, and uh. Yeah, what he's able to do. It, it, it's there's a reason everyone in the league can't do the tush push as well as the Eagles, uh, and and I think Kelsey's a big part of it. Um, in terms of the, I do think you are going to see. Uh, I think Sirianni likely stays. Yeah, and wildly, I think I could see both coordinators going. Uh, really, the hmm. offensive play calling was awful. Uh, and uh, the second half of the year, uh, most of the year, actually, even when they were performing well, the play calling wasn't great. The talent was just overcoming it. And then the defense, uh, you know, was a shambles. But, I mean, it was ridiculous. No one, not a single person in Philadelphia was surprised by the 32 uh, that the uh, 
that the Bucks put up uh, yesterday. Uh, basically, everyone here in Philadelphia was expecting a loss and not really thinking it was going to be close. So I wouldn't be surprised, but which which would be crazy too, because they lost both coordinators. These are two new coordinators this year, um, because the other two got hired as coaches. Uh, so uh, to have two new coordinators two years in a row would be crazy. So maybe one of them stays just for a little stability. But I don't even. I'm with Matt shaking his head. I'm with him. I don't want. I don't want it. I I want. I want both. I. Brian, I, I, I don't the thing I don't understand is Brian Jones, Johnson is getting head coaching interviews. Uh, that that makes zero sense to me. Uh, I, to me, as bad as the defense was, the, the the what they were doing with the offense was bothering me even more. This team is way too like they they have talent deficiencies on defense. This team is way too talented on offense to be scoring the way they were in the second half of the year. Uh, and and Jalen Hurts regressed this year. I think. Uh, it's uh, Shane Steichen uh, was an underrated loss uh, for this team, and they need to get somebody like that back. So uh, I think Brian Johnson needs to go. So I, I hope one of these teams hires him. I seriously doubt that. Uh, so, well, but if not, help, I, hope, right? <laughs> I hope he goes somewhere else or I don't know, gets demoted to a position coach and they bring someone else in. I just, I, I think the offense is the bigger concern because the offense should be performing. Hopefully the defense, maybe you can make up with getting better talent. They have the talent there. They just haven't been utilizing it properly uh, yeah. on offense. We'll see. We'll see. There's a lot of question marks. We're we're talking January still. So, yeah. you know, even as soon as the Super Bowl ends, you know, and then that, that new league year begins, that's when you start to see a bunch of fun things. We got through Black Monday. There was definitely some firings that needed to happen, like Arthur Smith at midnight on Sunday. It was just like, no, we're done. Let's get out of here, right? But I think you're still going to see some more, uh, you know, interesting signings come up as playoffs teams uh, start to get out of it. Yeah, so I would personally, though, I'd be, I'd still be interested in all the Eagles you would normally be interested in. Uh, I wouldn't mind buying them uh, at all, uh, especially if you do get a little dip based off of the struggles over the second half of the year. Uh, but uh, our next question comes from at Primetime Mock. Uh, good friend of mine, Mark Shu. Uh, do you yeah. own or have you ever owned a parking space chair, which probably came because Russ likes to throw those random questions in and I, I, mine wasn't really one I was expecting anybody to answer. I just put, how much do you hate snow and ice? Cause I've been hating it all yeah. today. Uh, <laughs> as me and Matt were uh, talking and Andrew were talking about before the show, uh, we got, we got a lot of snow and ice here in Philly over the last <laughs> day. Uh, I, I do not own a specific parking space chair, but I can definitely tell you I have put a folding chair in a parking space after I mm. shut it out on the street. Uh, I cannot stand to me. It's like the height of ignorance to, 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 to when, when there's still snow all over the place and you're taking that parking spot that someone spent like an hour and a half shoveling out so that, so that they'd have a spot there. I, I've definitely used the chair before. Um, I don't know if, if that's a thing where either you two are. Maybe it's a Philly thing. Yeah, we've de- there's definitely uh, you know chair saving uh, parking spots on the streets here in in, in, the, in Northeast Philadelphia. I can tell you. That. Well, I know it. it I had it a lot more in uh, Chicago. Same kind of thing, though. You know, like lots of snow and you get lots of street parking, and those two things combine into a, a majestical beast of what is that thing? Uh, I know a neighbor of mine had it, uh, an old recliner that he used to use, which I thought was pretty good. Like that's that's a chair. You know <laughs> like what I mean? That. Like that's a serious. No one's moving that kind of chair. But I only the only thing I ever used was uh, there were. A roommate of mine had these two cones with a, a 
tape between them, like the do not cross tape. And that was kind of what we used for general because we wanted one chair. You can kind of move it. The, the cones you could spread out about four feet and take up the whole spot. But I know what you mean. I, I do. I technically have never owned a parking space chair, but I have done the same, you know, technique, I guess you want to call it here and there. Must be an American thing. Yeah, we're, we're, we're very selfish here in America, Matt. You'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, these these Canadians, they're just so nice. They're just like, you take the parking spot I shovel. No, you have it. No, you have it. <laughs> you know what? You take it, and I'll clean your vehicle off for you while you yeah, take yeah. my spot. Yeah. That checks. Okay, I'm going to finish up with this last question. We have one more, um, but I know uh, Matt, Matt needs to get going pretty soon. So I'm going to finish up with this other question from Mark. And we'll save the last one for next week because it's really kind of a pretty yeah, general a question one. we could use. Uh, but anyway, with, uh, with an underwhelming running back draft class, are there any veteran RBs you think are worth acquiring with rookie picks outside the top six rookie picks, Matt? Like trading. Yeah, you know what? I'm, there's a bunch of guys that I'm in here. Like I'm not sold on this running back class. We look at some of the names that are on there. And there's really no one that really moves the needle at the running back position for me. We're talking like, I don't know, Jonathan Brooks possibly being the top running back, Braylon Allen, Trey Benson, uh, Blake Corum, Bucky Irving, uh, Audrey Estime. These names don't move the needle. They're not what you call sweatpant movers, right? They're just not those guys (laughs) that you're going to get excited about. But when I look at my dynasty rankings, there's some running backs here that I'm I'd be more than happy to trade for even a second round pick. Like you look at these guys, um, Kenneth Walker, someone might be down on. You mentioned a third round pick there for uh, Javante Williams earlier on the show. I love myself some Isaiah Pacheco. These are guys that I absolutely love. Maybe you get a Tony Pollard a little bit for cheap because of the season that he's coming off of. But David Montgomery, even with Jameer Gibbs, I think is still easily worth a third round pick as far as rookies are concerned. So, there's a bunch of these veteran running backs, Aaron Jones, Najee Harris, that if you can get them for a mid-second to a third-round pick, I'd be more than happy to trade for because there's nothing in this draft class that gets me excited at the running back position. Yeah, and, I, and to second that, too, I'll just say, you kind of go quickly even here, like I would even aim higher for a late first, right? Like you're entirely right with the seconds and thirds. You can go get a guy like Frank in the chat is saying Mixon. That was going to be one of my answers. I think you could easily get Mixon for a second, if not a third in some leagues. But if I've got a, you know, 109 and I feel like I've got, I'm just one running back away or I'm stacked everywhere. I'd aim for the sky and say, Hey, can 109 get me Brees Hall? Can 109 get me, hell, I don't know, even Christian McCaffrey, who's aging, right? If you've got a team that's on the decline and maybe needs a rebuild, you might be able to do 109 and a player for Christian McCaffrey or something right now. This hell, is the time I, of year to go do that. for Rashad White. Give me Rashad yeah, White, well, I'll give you my 109 right now. Kyron Williams, right? One of those guys that I think is going to be around a while. So I, I'm, I'm thinking that the 109, especially with us heading into draft season, you're going to see a lot of people get that draft rookie fever. We see it every year. And I think you hold that pick, you hold that pick, and then the week or two before you let that trade, you just slip a couple out. You say, hey, let me send uh, Jonathan Taylor for my 109. Or like we were talking about ETN, right? ETN is someone I'd be fine sending the one. Like those are all those guys, any of those guys. Because really the, the running back position is so weird right now. It's just so weird. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, the values are all over the place. Everybody in Dynasty is out on running backs right now. So their value is plummeting. If you have a running back, like I just drafted Kenneth Walker and Javante Williams in that dispersal, I'm not trading either of them away until like, probably August at this point because I just know I'm not going to get the value for them. 
So yeah, if you if you've got a rookie pick, hold on to it. There's no reason to do it now. You're not setting a lineup. There's no rush unless you get a come to Jesus trade where you're like, hey, I have to do this. This is too good. Um, but otherwise, just be patient. I know that's tough. In a trade addict show, we're all addicts. We all like trading. Just just hang on, and maybe you'll get more. That's all I'm saying. You guys have said pretty much every veteran running back name, so I'll leave it to what you guys said. Uh, Jonathan Taylor was the last one you brought up, Andrew, and that's the guy I was going to say, too. I think yeah. he's a guy that you wouldn't have been able to get for a later first uh, in recent Not for time. one first, maybe two, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and and now with the, the injury history over the last couple of years, I think uh, he's definitely obtainable. And uh, never going to be the Jonathan Taylor, I think, that we saw a couple of years ago. But I think there's still high-end running back performance in there for at least a year, uh, which I would pay a late first for. So uh, that would be my guy. But that will uh, that's going to be, even though we have one more question, that is going well. I'm going to call the end of our show sheet now. Uh, so that is the end of our show. I want to thank uh, Andrew for filling in for Russ this week for me. Uh, I definitely want to thank Matt for coming on the show. Love talking to you. Love looking at that mustache for an That's hour. Right. Oh. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so why don't you remind uh, again everybody one more time uh, who, who you are, what you do, and where they can find what you do. Yeah, if you're looking for my work, head over to Roto Baller there. Check out Fantasy Points. You can find me both on those sites there, doing some work from time to time, especially in the Discord channels there. So make sure to get in on that. And, of course, check out my uh, pinned tweet there on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it these days, at Matt Donnelly, FF, uh, and see, head over to that GoFundMe page and help out Emel Cadillac there if you can. If you can't do it financially, throw a retweet out there or whatnot, and let's see if we can uh, help out the best we can, help out a member of our community. Love it. Okay. Yep. yep, definitely. Uh, okay, so we'll finish up with some of our stuff. I'm at Dynasty FF Addict. He's at Andrew Hall FF. Russ, of course, is at Dynasty Outhouse. Uh, <laughs> as and uh, as Andrew points to the names on the screen, nobody can say see. Yeah, that if you uh, sign up for our Patreon, you could see right. Andrew pointing to the names and see Matt's glorious mustache. Um, it's one of the perks of uh, of being a patron is uh, getting to watch the show uh, as Frank does almost every week before he's. I mean, sorry, after he sends us the news, uh, and uh, just make sure. Um, you're supporting uh, Fantasy Cares. Uh, Russ does a much better job of promoting all that, but uh, Fantasy Cares is uh, Russ is a big part of that, and they are a big part of the fantasy community. So make sure you're doing that. And oh, one thing I wanted to do, which we don't normally do on the show, but I'm going to use this platform to pump uh, pimp out one of my leagues that has an opening. So uh, if anyone is interested in a salary contract league, uh, I have a orphan. Uh, they are hard to fill, which is why I'm doing this, because there's lots of people that listen to it. So uh, just DM me. I can give you the details. Um, but with that, I am going to say goodnight, guys. Good night, Russ. Night, night. Thank you for listening to the Great Addict Podcast, a proud member in the Dynasty Addict Podcast Network. Please follow your hosts at Dynasty and at CFS Addict. Please subscribe. Rate and review. We will catch you next time on the Trade Addict Podcast. Poopy Pants. That is the best. <laughs> See ya.